Welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Good evening, everybody. And the topic for today's session would be how to build and maintain positive relationships with your investors. And with this regard, we've brought on some amazing speakers to share insights on this topic. And I will just go ahead to just introduce some of the speakers that we have and also just allow them to just talk a bit about themselves. So the first speaker we have is Pere Ebi TMO. He is the founding partner at BGE Capital Advisory, a boutique capital advisory firm focused on capital raising, investment readiness, and consulting. He believes that Africa, especially Nigeria, needs to build up itself in terms of having highly skilled workforce across the board in order to attract high-value businesses, which leads to high-paying jobs. He also loves teaching and playing with friends in terms of like chess. Then our next speaker is Adelaja Olaneye. He is the managing partner at Carnegie Venture Partners, a financial advisory, angel investment, and venture capital firm with operations across Africa. He is also a chartered accountant and corporate finance professional with over eight years of experience in structuring deals and, and advising companies in the EMEA region. He has also been involved in several pri private equity um, investments, venture investment deals, and served in various organizations as a mentor and advisor. He's a mentor at Faster Capital UAE and Tony Elumelu Foundations. And beyond his varied um, business experience, he also tutors Excel, advanced valuation, and financial modeling at the Edubridge Academy. Adelaja has also taught several investment firms across the country, such as Afri Invest, um, Verot Capital, ETC. Our third speaker is Peter Gologe. He is a venture analyst at Parity Ventures, a venture-backed startup focused on building a community-led marketplace that connects entrepreneurs to emerging markets and capital, talents, and resources. Prior to working in venture capital, Peter previously worked as a management consultant where he helped public and private sector clients to solve critical business challenges using data, design, and strategy. He is also a proud alumnus of the University of Lagos, Lagos Business School, and sponsors for educational opportunity, SEO Africa. Then our last speaker is Daniel Odejiron. He is an investment analyst at Magic Fund, an early-stage venture capital fund built by founders for founders at the pre-seed and seed stages. He also has over two years of working experience in startup support, advisory, and investing. He is very passionate about providing innovative solutions in the education, youth, unemployment, and agricultural sectors. Daniel is also a futures practitioner and the 2022 Next Generation Foresight Practitioner, Africa Awardee. 
For a project that is focused on empowering young African business owners with futures, skills to develop resilience, and be innovative in vulgar <laughs> landscapes, he has also contributed to UNICEF's Youth Foresight Circle on meaningful youth engagement in 2022 and is a campaign ambassador for the UNICEF's uh, Future Pledge campaign. So yes, it's really nice to have you guys on board. On board, thanks Perry AB for coming on board. Thanks Adilaja, Peter, and Daniel. I'm really looking forward to a great conversation, even though we are a bit um, behind schedule. Okay, yeah, so let me just confirm if my speakers heard what I said. <laughs> Good evening once more. Okay, so let me just go ahead to um, the first question I have. So before going ahead to talk about like how you can build and maintain good relationship with the investors and all of that, I decided to just start with why it is important for you to have a good relationship with your investors, right? I, I am kind of a follower of like Simon Sinek and he always talks about starting with why. So I, I feel we should also start with why in this case. So um, throughout the session, I'll kind of be throwing direct questions to um, specific speakers. But for this first question, it's kind of an open question. So any speakers can um, go ahead to um, answer this one. So please, who would like to answer it? Why it's important to build and maintain positive relationships with investors? I would like to just quickly chip in here. Hi, guys. Hi, Elton. Thanks for the introduction. I'm Peter Bologi. I'll just skip with the intro. Uh, but I would like to say that as much as I'm here to speak, I'm also here to listen and learn from the amazing blend of speakers that we have here. Um, so I'll just give a start by the first question you asked with regards to why it's important to build a very strong relationship with your investors. And to start with, uh, the approach you took you know, in terms of asking why it's very important one because as a founder you need to understand, you know, the essential um or the the quintessential factor that drives your relationship with your investor, right? It's not just about, you know, I know a lot of times founders are sometimes just, you know, um misled to think, oh, the investor is always there to provide the fund and once they provide the fund, um they're meant to just take a back seat and watch them do their thing and you know one thing will lead to another and they will have their exits and they've gotten their returns but it's it's way beyond that right an investor coming you know into your business is way beyond providing capital right there are a lot of things that you can benefit you know from your relationship with your investors you know by by default a lot of investors have a very an extensive amount of experience in the industry um you know a lot of them have been in business for as long as you can think and these guys have a lot of expertise under their belt that you can tap from, right? In terms of um, mentorship, expertise, connection, there's so many things that you can, you know, you start to benefit, what, you know, beyond the capital that your investors provide for you. And, you know, it's also important to mention that no investor is too small. Even if it's a $1,000 investor, it's, it's, no, you know, don't, it's, it's, it's very important to mention that don't over or underestimate rather any investor on your team, you know, because everyone matters and everyone brings something to the table. There's always something to learn from all your investors. So I'll just uh, take a pause there. All right. Thank you very much. And thank you for opening the floor. <laughs> so yes, okay. let me just go ahead. Let me go ahead to my next question. 
So now to the specifics as regarding our topic. So my first question, and I'll be directing this one to Pere AB. The question is, how can startup founders establish trust with investors from the very beginning? Uh, fantastic. Um, so that's a, So your question is, how can um, tech founders establish trust with uh, investors from the get-go? Is that your question? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, so the trust building goes beyond the pitch. So you've made your pitch. You've uh, you know presented um, your business case or your business plan. So the trust building you know comes in small. There are small you know small small things that you know you know tech you know founders uh, do to build trust. And the bedrock of it all has to do with integrity. Okay. Um, you you are someone of integrity. You are doing you know you are you are creating um, a, a business or, or a tech you know company solving a problem. Uh, you are committed to your mission, committed to your vision. So there are, there are small things. For instance, being punctual. Okay, if you set up a virtual call with someone, or you have a phone call with someone, or you have to meet with an investor in an office, or for coffee or for tea. You know you you have to be punctual. You know, be there on time. If I know things do come up, but you could be late or something may happen. But you know, when you when you are not on time, you sort of lose that that first impression. Okay, and um, a few other things uh, as you pitch, as you communicate, uh, check your ego at the door. Um, uh, don't get defensive when people point things out to you during your pitch. Um, because if when you get defensive, it shows three things about you. You are not listening. Um, you may not be that experienced. Uh, you are not open to, to change. You are not open to feedback. Uh, and then uh, the style of the follow-up. So after the pitch, uh, the style of, of following up, how do you follow up after you've pitched uh, to someone? Okay, so there are, there are many things um, tech founders uh, can do to build trust. I don't want to go on and on, but, you know, these, these are just a few, you know. Uh, and again, integrity, being honest, you know, not lying or, you know, you know, forging your numbers, you know, is one of the bedrock uh, uh, of those things. And also believing in what you are, you are pitching. So those are just a few things. Let me, let me, you know, stop it for now. Yeah. Thank you, Elton. <laughs> Thank you very much. So uh, some of the things you mentioned are, uh, to build trust, uh, you, you started with the bedrock, that is integrity. You talked about punctuality, even when you have virtual meetings, physical meetings, not being defensive about your pitch, your style of follow-up. And thank you very much for mentioning these points. So, um, Daniel, yes. I don't know if yes, you... I'll, okay, you want to say something? Yes, I would like, like to speak like more to that one. I like how Perry has been able to set like a base for the conversation when it comes to trust. But then like to go a little bit technical on it, like when it comes to actually having calls with investors and like um, having this relationship, I think it's very important that um, founders do not over-exaggerate their numbers or their traction, right? Like, it's quite tempting to want to present yourself as someone who is doing extremely well. But it is important to remember that um, every venture capital firm or angel or whoever it is that wants to invest in you will carry out some level of due diligence, right? Um, at various stages, various would require various intensity of due diligence. 
And so it's important not to over-exaggerate or forge numbers because at some point, we are going to find out, right? So um, do not do that because once that is figured out, we would definitely tag you as being dishonest and trust is completely taken um, out of the picture. So when you're pitching, even up to your pitch deck, let your stories match the numbers, let your stories match whatever you would share when you share like your data room. In addition to that, um, at various rounds, right, various investors will want like various terms, right? So this now this is when it comes to negotiating terms of the round. And so it is important that you are honest and very transparent throughout that process. Right? Some investors might want to come in earlier at like lower valuations and want to negotiate that. That's fine. But while while doing that, ensure that the entire process is fair to all investors, right? And if there is a reason why an investor gets a lower valuation than others, um, there should be a backing for it. For example, sometimes some founders give lower valuations to some investors because they bring in some extra level of support, right? So um, being clear and being honest with um, the, the round and the terms of the round and letting everybody know what is happening across board is very important. And that way, you'll be able to build trust in the long run and just save yourself a lot of stress. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Does anyone want to say anything extra? I think I heard something. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to give a bit more context um, to what Lady was saying. Um, and thank you, Lady and Per. Um, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. Um, so, I mean, while, I mean, it, it has been said, I think there's integrity. So there are some also some white lines that, um, you know, I've encountered, you know, um, with respect to um, startup pitching. So there are times where, for instance, they may put on their pitch deck, which it's it's true, but it's not true. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. So you see them put something like... Uh, there is, they, they have maybe $1 million or let's say $2 million, um, um, you know, top line, basically. But if you dig deep, you'll find out that that $2 million that they are quoting is not actually their, their revenue. It's their transaction they are quoting. Or cases whereby where um, they would, you know, um, they know that it is close to around the period where they want to raise. And so, you know, you improve like marketing, um, expenditure especially with respect to um you know digital spend you know that you can easily get um, um you know customers or users yeah. right so they they push that and then that happens and then there's a lot of um, customers in your or should i say users in your um database but then those are not active users they are not in in case of transactions they've never done any transaction um some of some of these people may, may have not even scale through the KYC process. Maybe you just, um, uh, you know, you just you just brought them on board without um, necessarily doing the, the needful. So, and sometimes you have uh, people, you know, quoting those huge numbers. But then when you find out the actual um, real numbers respect to the total number of people that are actually paying and, you know, um, actually using the product, you find out that it is way less than 10%. Of that, um, listen. So, um, as much as possible, you while it's, it's fantastic. Of course, I would not advise you um, not to include those numbers. Include yeah. that, but also put it in context. Always have context so that um, you don't set the right, um, the wrong um, narratives. And then an investor comes on board, you know, um, thinking um, um, the the numbers you have put 
justifies uh, the valuation you are you're putting and then only at the point of uh, due diligence as when you now find out um, many of these issues cropping up um so i, I just think um to mention that as well yeah all right thank you very much. yeah you're welcome thank you for mentioning that and just in line with what you said and what lydia said i think it's from my perspective i think it's a bit more common in terms of like over exaggerating your numbers might be a bit more common with like first found first and um, first time founders in the sense that they've not gone through like the um, due diligence process and um, all of that and i must say like i think it's quite tempting to kind of over exaggerate your numbers but that's where you have to fall back to um, the bedrock that is like um and um, being a person of integrity but in line with what i just mentioned now as far how this is something that is more common with um first-time founders and like what do you think about that I completely agree with that, right? Um, and I think that's what this session is for, or most of the sessions you'll be holding. Yeah, for people who are just starting out their journey and um, don't understand some of the rudiments in this space. So definitely, right, people who fall victim to this would be first-time founders, and that's because they feel like they need to show. But really, like, we investors from our end, we understand the market, we understand... Um, most times what you're building and we understand some of the challenges you might face and we understand that you're just starting out, right? So we do not most times expect you to have crazy numbers. So you're trying to portray that, thinking that it's like something that would be enticing to all investors is really a myth because investors, right, they're very realistic with um, this thing because we have to be, if we are not and we are just based on hopes and like imaginations, then like our investor our investments will go south. So surely it's for like early stage founders, people who are just starting out, first time founders, right? And I think like you've said, or we've all said that it's quite important not to exaggerate. I think focus on like what you're currently building, ensure that you get the customers. For example, let me give an example. Um one time we we're reviewing like a deal and um we just saw a spike. Like um like uh, the other speaker before me just said like you putting money into marketing and then you have a lot of customers. We saw that spike and we were wondering why that spike was there because we do do, we do like that due diligence and we're able to like go into the financials and see some of these figures and graphs. And then we saw that spike and we're like, what happened here? And so when we spoke to the founder, we realized that, oh, they just had like a new partnership with like um, a big firm, right? A big firm in the e-commerce space that could help sell a larger amount of products. And, uh, well, that is fine, but how, how sustainable can that be? How long can that relationship be? How many more of these people can they build, right? This is just one example of when it is easy to, like, spot some of these things in case you think that, oh, I can just fix these numbers together and nobody will notice. We actually look at the trends and we're able to pinpoint some of these things. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for that. Okay, so please go ahead if you have something extra to say. Yeah, um, yeah, everything. Just wanted to contribute something to uh, what Lady just said uh, regards to the topic of trust. Uh, so the thing, the bigger picture to this is that, see, trust is a very big deal in the venture capital ecosystem, right? And once you, you know, once you lose that trust, once you are caught in a fraudulent act, once you exaggerate numbers and do all those little, little petty things that, you know, some of these first, first-time founders do, it's very, very easy to get blacklisted in the ecosystem because one thing about investors is what spread around easily, right? If an investor 
probably, you know, if, if one of the portfolio companies, non-investors, um, you know, non-investment company probably goes rogue and, you know, and is caught, right? You'll be surprised as to how the different investors in the ecosystem already blacklisted you, right? So it's, it's more like a one-time chance and there's no second chance in this kind of thing. To be honest, it's very, very, it's very, very, it's very, very difficult to really rewrite your story once you are caught in this art. So there's a very, very trust and it's a very big deal in the venture capital ecosystem. All right. Thank you very much. All the speakers have made mention and elaborated on why um, trust is important, even from the very first get-go, even for first-time founders. So this um, leads to my next question. I recall something Perry B said while talking. He said even after like pitching to um, the investor, you have to like follow up after that. Um, so my next question would be this. So I would start with Adela, right? So the question is, how important is it for startup founders to maintain regular contacts with investors, those that have decided to invest in them, right? Or even those that they hope to invest in them in the near, near future? And like, what is the best way for them to go about doing that? Okay, thank you for that question, Elton. Um, so I'll take it in in stages, um, by stages, I mean stages of, um, the discussion, right? So, um, first as regards, um, when, you know, they are still trying to pitch the investor to come on board. Um, now at that stage, what do you do? Um, you sent your pitch deck, um, or investment memo, you know, and, um, maybe you've even had the first meeting, but then they've not given the green light yet. And, um, you're wondering, um, first month passes, nothing. Um, or they may even come tell you um, right off the, you know, right in the first meeting that they are not interested um, at this moment. So what do you do? Do you just um, look away and, um, you know, go to some other investors? Now, um, here's what I've seen um, work, especially um, I, 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 I'm... I'm Restraining myself from calling the name of um, fintech, yeah, um, that did that and current and worked for them. I mean, they are currently in their. Just to give you an idea, they are currently raising their Series C, but this happened way back when they were trying to raise Series A. Um, what happened was they spoke with the investor. I think no, sorry, they, they they spoke. It was at seed stage, so they, they spoke with the investor. They had a meeting. But then the investor, you know, sort of turned them down. What they did was, from time to time, you are expected to send like monthly updates to your existing investors. So, but what you can also do is nothing stops you from also sending it to other people, other prospecting investors that are not here on board. And so, what 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 they did was, from time to time, they were sending, they were sending in their numbers, their monthly updates, and um, the investors looked at it and um, you know they they saw like a month on month growth. And nothing makes an investor happy than, you know, seeing that there is a consistent trajectory, there's a consistent growth, um, you know, month on month. And so um, it got them, you know, excited. I, I, this was like a year after the meeting they had. And then they basically um, had, uh, you know, um, reached out to them and then just basically um, eventually invested in them. Uh, they, I think they invested about $15 million back then, which, I mean... Um, enable them to do whatever expansion they wanted to do and all of that. So all I'm saying basically is that 
at the early stage, when you're um, prospecting and it doesn't go through, you don't just, um, you know, let that um, fall through the cracks. Rather, what I would advise is, I have a spreadsheet. The investors are interested, you know, your market um, as interested. Um, those that are, have rejected your your proposals, you know, you can you can mark that as rejected, but it doesn't mean that you should not still sort of engage them um, you know, with respect to fundraising, especially because you wouldn't just raise once um, and forget about it. There, there will be subsequent rounds that you may you may raise and they, they might be interested at that period. At that, um, so that's one. Um, so also, with respect to people that already have investors on board. Um, now, what, what what do you do after they've invested? Uh, you might even be sending monthly updates to them. I mean, by by nature of the ecosystem, you are you are you are meant to be sending um, you know updates. But um, does it just stop at that? Do, do they just um, relax? So I think that. Um, one thing that many people do not realize, right, is that um, the investors has more to offer than just funding. I can categorically say, or let me, I mean, just in heuristics, about um, the, 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 the funding is just about 20% of, of, of the value a true investor will bring to the table. You see, the remaining 80% is based on relationships that they can bring to you. They can help you with respect to partnerships, help you with respect to strategic advice um, that would help you scale. And those things are, 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 are much more critical, um, much more critical than, than um, you know, um, even the funding. Um, now, let me, let me also throw in something that uh, may be a bit contrarian, but, um, you know, I and um, a friend was having discussion with earlier Actually, if you compare um, invest, um, if you compare startups um, with respect to those that are in YC and those that are in um, um, what's it called again? I don't know why it's TechCrunch that is coming to my head. Techstar, Tech yeah. If you compare them, um, more more than likely you will see a YC startup doing way better, all things being equal, than than Techstar and. The reason is not far-fetched. It's not the funding. It's because um, YC takes a lot more deliberate. So, Texas will just run it through the accelerator. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Without it meaning... Um, <laughs> it didn't mean any um, accelerator. But, I mean, th these, are, these are things you find out. And you find out that majority of... The, the, the major reasons why, um, you know, some of these startups are scaling better is not necessarily because of the funding. It's also because of, we've seen startups that have raised billions, but then, um, you know, crumbled. Um, so, I mean, what you want to do as, 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 as much as possible, is not just to get the funding and go away. You want to keep on engaging, um, both with your management report, um, on a monthly basis and also like, you know, um, get to, you know, have like personal meetings with, um, your investors, find out what it is, um, you know, the current trends in the market, you know, Find out what they are thinking about your business. Get feedback from them. What? How do they um, envision your business? Is there any advice? You know, basically, especially because many of the people um, that are investing in your company, I mean, um, they, they they've been in the game for for years, if not decades. Um, you know, investing in companies um, and even running companies themselves at some point. 
So, um, you know, you can you can sort of leverage on that. So, um, yeah, I, I think those those are um, my, those are my two basic advice. I mean, when you look at it from the two basic approach, that is, if you are just prospecting and then after you've gotten the um, the funding, there is still need for strategy. And I think that a lot of startups, um, I, sorry, I just remembered, um, you know, some of the issues we have in um, the accelerator I work with, both in UAE and um, uh, and TEF. You give people, there, there are even some people that um, in TF that, you know, they, they get grants, right? And um, they are expected to sort of scale using the, the funding that they have. But guess what? Many of these people just think, I mean, it just ends with the money and you call for meetings, you know, and they, they would they would maybe not attend or just take it with levity. So, I mean, it, it, it just speaks to um, um, how bad people do not realize that the majority of the value is not in the funding. It's rather in the in the resources, in the strategic resources that um, the investors um, are offering. So as much as possible, you want to leverage on that in every way possible. So you've I typically built it into um, those that are still hoping to get investors on board and those yeah. that have investors on board. My initial thought would have been to like, invite, uh, let me say, Perry to add a few things. But I don't know if I should go to my next question or if any other speaker has something to say. Mm -hmm. but what you want to say is go. that which is more go to your next question. You can go to your next question because you know that one has been overflowed. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> but before even into like the next question, right? There is something I wanted to like mention, still based on like what he said. Um and that's the that's the concept of sending monthly updates or reports, right? Okay. Find out that within portfolio, like within various firms, a large amount of startups do not send like this update. It's required that you do that, but you find people defaulting on this. And it is not to the detriment of like the VC firm, right? Yeah, we might want we want to know the progress, but there's a reason why we want to know progress, and that is for support purposes, right? So when you send updates and we're able to track it over a period of like a few months or like like a quarter or like six months, we're able to tell what point you are and um, we're able to reach out to you even if like you yourself, you don't know that you're like in trouble, right? Like with some of the metrics like from this your reports, we're able to tell that this person is going to need help or needs to raise as soon as possible Right, their runway is depleting very fast and they need help. So, like for all early founders on this call, on this piece, please, when you start your business, your startup, and you always send those updates, right? Be able to analyze, use data to like, like do like data analytics on your updates, right? To be able to figure out where you are and also send it to your investors so that they can help track your progress and support you and come in when, when when they can and even when you, you're not aware of it. I think that's what I want to add to the concept of like proper communication and sending updates. Yeah, thank you very much for adding that slide. So it's actually very in line with what I wanted to ask next. So my next question will be what are some common mistakes startups make when trying to build a relationship with investors and when they are fundraising? And just in line with what um, 
So yes, the question is, what are some common mistakes that um, startup founders make when trying to build relationships? I will start with Big O this time. All right. Um, my name is Peter, by the way. But yeah, uh, <laughs> just remember that. But right. Uh, so that's a very important question. Um, some of the common mistakes that they make. So first thing first, right? A lot of founders see, um, you know, they tend to have this imperialist complex. Especially in this part of the world, they have this inferiority complex that, oh, you know, they are, they, the investors are their only lifeline without them, you know. So they, they come from an inferiority complex angle uh, with the investors and they start, you know, they build a relationship on that on those grounds. Then, you know, going, uh, as things get going, it becomes, you know, difficult for them to sometimes have some conversation with the investors because they are always, you know, having this, this restriction uh, in terms of assets. All right, so one thing I'll say is, you know, be confident, right? Understand what you are doing. I mean, you you had the idea to, you know, create a solution to a particular problem that you've identified. So you are pretty much bringing value to the table, right? So approach your investors from a place of confidence, right? Of course, I know there's a thin line between confidence and about confidence. So yeah. I, would, I would just, you know, I'll probably rephrase that word and say approach it from a place of conviction, right? Don't come to an investor or, you know, the first call you're getting on with an investor, you are sounding like you don't know what you're saying, right? Because I've seen this happen a lot of times, you know, at the work we do at Parity. Uh, we're trying to get, we, we get, we have some of these startup founders get their first call with the investors. And, you know, sometimes investors get back to us and trying to understand if, you know, these guys are really the, get the founders behind the startup because it's almost like they don't know what they were saying on the call, right? So I find out that, you know, having that conviction and speaking like, you know, you are truly, the one behind the idea is one thing that would earn you your respect from the investor's angle, right? And also, I think um, trying to manage your investor's time as much as possible, right? And also manage your expectations as much as possible. On the part of time, I would like to mention that investors are very busy people, obviously, and these guys have a lot to do. You see some funds who have like a lot of companies on their portco. So, it will be very helpful for you to manage your time as much as possible. The few times you have to spend on your know, call, try to give them um, mention important information that you need to know and make it worth their while. And in terms of expectation as well, don't go and overpromise because <laughs> actually this part of the world where things are, you know, anything can change at any time and the dynamics of business can change, right? So always try as much as possible to manage your investor's expectation. Don't tell them, oh, by this quarter, our goals for this quarter is to, you know, meet like 300 times, uh, three times our uh, targets for the last quarter or, or create one, one bogus expectation, right? And when you're not giving your investors all this, it becomes like a struggle for you or you're promising them that you're going to ship seven products uh, in the market and you are not able, able to do two, right? So always try to manage your time, manage your expectation and always, you know, approach them from a place of conviction. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that. So um, just in line with what you said first, in terms of like having, you said instead of using the confidence, you should have a strong conviction. So I, I want to ask um, Perry to add a few more mistakes you think founders make. But as you're adding a few more mistakes founders can make, I would want you to answer the question in terms of what um, he just mentioned about um, conviction, um, confidence about you can handle conflict and disagreements with investors while still maintaining 
a positive relationship. And if you think it's a bit um, complex mixing the two, you can just go ahead to answer one. Oh, okay, question is for me. So, um, well, you, you're asking two questions. The first one, because I'm the dinosaur in this group, I forgot <laughs> the first one. So let me answer this. <laughs> Let me answer the second, the second question on conflict. Maybe as I finish, you know, you can remember and remind me. So, um, no, no business owner of or tech founder, um, no business owner or, 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 or tech founder, um, you know, will be in business without an investor. Everyone needs an investor. In fact, your parents are your first investors because they started with breast milk, diaper, all the way to university. So everybody in this life needs an investor. And, you know, it's better to, to own, you know, a small percentage of, of something, an idea, a concept that actually comes to fruition than own 100% of nothing. So, you know, founders will always um, need investors at, at different stages. And... Um, conflict is normal. There is nothing harsh about it. It sounds like, oh, conflict is... No, conflict is normal part of business. Okay? Uh, now, it's... Uh, when there is conflict, managing conflict with, with investors, it's um, at least identifying, you know, the conflict, acknowledging the conflict, you know. It's, it's a relationship already. Okay? It's not just something uh, transactional. It's not like, uh, you know, you go in a bank, deposit money, it's transactional like that, and there's no uh, transactional or mechanical. There's no, there's already a relationship established. So if you take maybe, for instance, husband and wife, you know, wife comes home, the husband maybe usually have like, you know, food, you know, prepared, massage her feet, you know, and then one day she comes home, he's not doing those things, he's stomping around, you know, and he's like mixed, you know, at least the first thing she will say is acknowledge that there is some conflict. So um, tech founders or founders, first thing is to acknowledge that there's a conflict and then, you know, start finding, you know, professional ways uh, of addressing that, that conflict. So uh, as, a, as a founder, business owner, techie, um, the tools of addressing the conflict, you know, always there. And you know, there's always, um, if push comes to shove, there's always third-party mediation. A third-party mediator comes in, um, you know, removes the, you know, the friction, removes the tense, the tension between investor and uh, 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 and founders. And what what is the founder, what is investor after? Investor is after returns and profit. That's all they are interested in. Okay. And this conflict may, you know, uh, come across, you know, sometimes an investor uh, not only puts in money, but has experience in a certain sector, uh, in, in the certain fintech or the, the crypto. And, you know, they may not, you know, like the direction, uh, you know, the management is going or the tech founder is going. So friction may, may come around. Uh, then there's a, we talked about expectations, okay? If the, an, an investor was expecting a certain return or he was expecting that, oh, you told me you, you will reach this milestone at this point and you haven't, then, you know, there's, there's some sort of mis, mismatch in expectation, you know. And uh, again, it boils down, you know, to, to the, the main um, 
theme of this of this uh, Twitter talk, which is you know communication. So I don't know. Did I answer your the second question you had? Did I you know at least get the ball rolling rolling on that direction? <laughs> yes, it did. And even before I go ahead to ask my next question to Adilaja or Lady, except they have like more things to add on this, I still want to stress on this a bit more with you, Perebi, in, in the sense like I'm, I'm aware that you kind of do like introductions for like startups. You help them if they want to fundraise. So I just wanted to know if there's like any extra thing you want to add in terms of like um, um, mistakes you think founders make not just when they are fundraising, because while fundraising, they, they are supposed to build relationship with, relationships with those investors. I just know that I don't know if there's like any other thing you want to add in this regard. Okay, um, let let me say something, um, and I, I'll give my own, you know, personal my the way we do things. Or it's uh, human humans are emotional. We are emotional beings. Okay, um, we react to emotions, we react to stories, um, we react to um, people who care. Okay, so uh, some people have the approach, you know, uh, this guy didn't give me what I want, bye-bye, off to the next one. Um, one key thing I, will, I, I can say that I, I still do, and I, I you know, is having that personal touch Okay, and really caring about other people. They may be an investor, you may want something from them, but you know, having that extra attention, you know, to detail in terms of being personable. Okay, I'll give you an example. Like um, there's a I believe in the 70s or the 80s, there was a legendary um Saudi Arabian deal maker. His name is Adnan Khashoggi, very you know, controversial lifestyle. Uh, but you know, he was very he was a one-man marketing you know team at some point he was you know supposed to be the richest guy in the world in the 70s or the 60s or 80s or something like that so he had a way of being so personable with people okay he, he knew their their you know their wife's names their children's names you know he he, he would talk with everyone he, he was he had this egalitarian flair you know he, he didn't care who you were so um I, i'm not i cannot really say okay this is the mistake most uh, uh, founders, um, most tech founders make, even though we do uh, see a lot of pitches, we listen to a lot of, you know, uh, people make presentations. We have, you know, few companies in our, in our kitty that we, we help guide during their, their, their slides and all of that. But that's one thing I, I can, I can say that, you know, some founders need to like, um, develop that, that, uh, you know, that that sort of attitude, you know. Yeah. So that's 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 what I have to add. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't know if any other person wants to add something before I move to my next yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think Perry hit the nail on the head. Um, just some other mistakes apart from the ones mentioned that you know I've also seen, especially um, is one one mistake that my my partner used to call um, selling your soul to the devil. And what, what, what do we mean by that? You know, you basically, um, especially at the very early stage where, you know, you've done a lot of pitches, um, people are not, you know, receptive. They are not 
giving you attention. And then you eventually then find just one person, one person that is able to, you know, um, listen to you and is willing to invest. And then you now make the mistake of uh, selling out virtually all your company. I've seen scenarios where, a, 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 I mean, after a, a, a founder was frustrated with fundraising attempt and then he eventually got a Nigerian investor uh, to invest um, about 30 million naira, naira, not dollars, in exchange for um, almost 30% of his company. And this was this was supposed to be like a precede round. And, you know, it just begs the question, okay, if you've lost 30% of your business at the precede round, how much, how, how many percent of your business do you think you would have in your Series B stage if you ever get there? So, I mean, th- those were those were worrying issues because by the time other investors are then coming in, valuation will become an issue because, I mean, they would, they would not... An investor that is bringing in, let's say, uh, $500,000 that wants to invest in you would not see on the cap table someone that has gotten, that has invested less than, uh, less than how much is that? And, and, and already has 30% of the business. So, um, basically, you need to, you need to, I, I, I think, so there, there's this thing that they say, when you are hungry, don't come to the negotiation table because people will, will feed you um anyway long story short ensure you get like someone that that can advise you that has experience with respect to it and don't 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 put in your emotion to the extent that you are not thinking of you know you just want the money and you just want to move ahead so um it needs to make sense you need to look at you need, you need to also be future futuristic with respect to your to to um the fundraise and the investment you, 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 that is being currently done so um, I think that that's one. And the second one is maybe, um, you know, just um, shooting. I mean, you're trying to fundraise. You did, you did not bother to do, like, to do a background check on the investor. So you're then sending a fintech pitch to an investor that is just um, focused on uh, maybe SDG or focused on child care or something like that. I mean, you will just be, um, you know, um, chasing the wind, basically. So try as much as possible to organize yourself. Find out the investors that uh, you know are are interested in the areas that you are um, that you are pitching. And basically, just if possible, if you can get like someone to do an intro, a warm intro, because this this business is also highly um, um, highly built on trust. So when there's a trusted individual, um, you know, referring you, it gives higher weight. But if not, um, if there's no body to refer, you can still send in your pitch. But as much as possible, send your right um, your pitch to the right person. So basically, um, those are the two I think I should add. I know if um, other speakers want to add something. Yeah, I, I think I think um, Elijah has covered a lot of like the things I wanted to say, and like that's quite impressive because he has touched on a lot of important things, right? from being able to properly research and know the value an investor would give and the kind of space they play in. Because when founders raise, like it's not just about collecting the money, right? It's a long game. Just like you're having a co-founder and you're going to go a long journey, your investors will be going that long journey with you because they will be patiently waiting to exit and get their money back. So it's important to know the strengths of these investors, right? And reach out to them. 
So like that's that's quite an interesting point. But a point that I think most people here have missed or like have not spoken about, which is even the fundamental, which is like the beginning of the beginnings would be the pitch deck, right? And your data room. So and for people who don't know what a data room is, a data room is simply um, let's say a repository of all the things you need for your fundraising journey, right? From your cap tables to your pitch deck to your projections and financials to many other things that would be within it. And you have to have that pitch deck that is properly created. So you have people going to like a Google slide and creating pitch decks by themselves, or you have them using Canva and putting one or two things together, right? How it works is that by the time we from this end, we get to... So I'm not saying those things, are, but if you have very great design eye, like, do please go ahead to design your pitch decks. But most people don't have great design eyes. Most people are not great designers, right? So the beginning is the pitch deck. One, ensure that all critical information um, that investors want to see, not you, you want to see, or investors would want to see in a pitch deck should be in that pitch deck right? That's the first stage. Then have it properly designed. Give it to a professional designer to put it all together. Because when we, like um, Adela just said, we're quite very busy people. On In a week, I review close to 80 pitch decks. I do not have that kind of time. The moment I see this pitch deck is ugly, I'm like, if you can send me an ugly pitch deck, then your business potentially might be ugly. Um, the way you go about things might not be coordinated, Right? The presentation of that pitch deck shows how much value you put to your company, how much value you put to yourself. And so if a pitch deck is not properly designed, I am most likely going to skip unless I see one or two things that capture my attention and make me stay longer. So pitch deck is quite important and it should not be underestimated. The value of that pitch deck is the first thing investors see that would even get you to having a conversation with them. So ensure that is top notch. Before Thank you very much, Lady, for adding that. And um, I, I, I am really enjoying and learning a lot from this conversation. But um, because of time, I, I won't be able to ask like every other question I have. I will just ask one more or two more. And if there's anybody in the audience that wants to ask a question, you can just type it in the comment section. Then I will just read it out for our speakers. So now I'm even trying to figure out the next the question I should ask next and which one I should skip. So probably I'll just ask both of them. <laughs> okay, I've decided on the one I'll skip. So do I initially wanted to just talk a bit about um, how to deal with investors that do not have a background in the startup world for crying out loud, if someone has the money to fund your business, you can call him an investor, right? So I don't know how what you would suggest in terms of relating with someone like that because that that person might be the one that will end up saying he wants to give you thirty million naira for thirty percent or forty percent or just go ahead to do like a crazy <laughs> valuation for you. So I don't know what just one advice you can give as regarding that. So I can just jump to my yes. next question. Yes, I would like to like just quickly touch on that. Like this was a, this was a question that I found quite quite interesting. And I had to think about it to like think of like the best answer to give. I think at the very early stage, right, it's okay to collect money from people who are not like like traditional investors. However, they must be aware, like you yourself must be aware of um like like Adela just said, like um 
like the amount of equity to give, the valuation and all of those things. Because in the future, it always would come back and bite you, right? Bite you in the back when you bomb. You have to be able to know. So if you're going to collect money from people who are not traditional investors, right? You need to explain the terms to them. You need to take them through the entire process and let them know, right? What's, what's like how much equity they can get and at like and how it work because at very early stages it's not a price round so there is really no valuation and a lot of things are, are based on assumptions so this person is not even going to be thinking about about equity blah 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 they are just going to be betting their money on you right early stages are usually money like the investment is really bet on the founders and so they are saying oh i believe in you i've seen some of the things you've done before and i'm going to give you this money then you can now tell them that later on no you would, they would be able to know like what value this amount that they're giving you is. Now, my second point would now be, I do not think it would be great to collect money from a non-traditional person much later than your journey because they're not going to understand how... It's, a, it's like it's an entire space. They would not understand. They will not understand how to wait. They will not understand how to exit. They will not... They, like it's, it's just going to be too crazy. And I do not advise that people get money from such persons, right? Like, they can get trained and understand the mm. landscape before you collect money from them so that they don't get to frustrate your journey as a founder because that journey is already hard. They don't get to frustrate you. They don't get to have unnecessary expectations. Proper investors understand the game and they understand how it So that would be my contribution. Mm. Thank you very much for that, Lady. Let me just go ahead to my last question. So my last question would be, what are some examples of successful relationships you've seen from your experience that you've seen between startups and investors and what lessons can be learned from these examples? And um, I understand that some of us might not want to give specific examples. So if you're not cool with giving examples, you can just talk about the lessons learned. But if you're cool with giving examples of the startups, that's also fine. So yes, I will start with Peter. Then I really want to hear from all the speakers on this one. So I'll start with Peter, then Daniel, then Perebi, then Adilaja. So Peter, please, you can go ahead. So like I was saying, I was just trying to um, size an example or a great example of a founder-investor relationship I've seen that materialized into something great. Uh, uh, for sake of confidentiality, I would not be mentioning or disclosing identities, but... Um, you know, I, I worked with a founder and I helped the founder secure an introduction to an investor and, you know, they got talking and, you know, the investor was, was quite interested in the founder's, you know, um, the startup and the idea and everything. But the fund that the investor was managing at the time was not, you know, it was sector um, focused. So um, the investor could not really, you know, invest at the time. But one thing that they were able to, the founder was able to do was to still maintain that relationship, right? And look for other ways they could, you know, come together and work and create value. And, you know, over time, they got to, the investor realized that one of the portfolio companies um, under their fund was actually offering a particular service that could be complemented by what, you know, the startup was doing, right? So that led to a partnership. The investor was able to instigate a partnership between that founder and one of the, you know, founders on their portfolio company. And one thing the investor mentioned was, you know, he appreciated the keenness of that founder. You know, despite the fact that 
he already turned him down and told him that the fund they had was not able to, he would not be able to invest because of the kind of, you know, focus they were having. This founder was still keen on trying to ensure that, you know, he did not waste that relationship. That's the thing, right? Because relationship introductions are just, are very, very rare commodities in the startup ecosystem. Not everybody wants to speak, right? So once you get the opportunity, always make sure that you make the best out of it. Try to keep it, try to come from a value-oriented angle when you're speaking to the investors. Look for, you know, best way possible. Like, even if they don't want to invest in your fund, ask them, can you give me another introduction to, you know, someone in, in the ecosystem that you feel would be open to this idea? So always approach them from a place of value and, you know, you never can tell the great things that will come out of it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Big O. Um, I think Lady wants to speak. Yes, let me let me go to just close out, right? Um, I would say that, let me give two examples. The first one would be like an everyday thing we get to see. So because the person or an investor doesn't give you money doesn't mean that they can't help you, right? Like sometimes it might, just, it might not just fall like within their thesis to be able to support you at that point. Or they might have other portfolio companies that like just are like competitions to you. Like various reasons why people, um, investors will not invest. However, what I've gotten to see is that, like for my fund, if we cannot invest, we still ask um, these um, these founders and startups to send updates to us and reach out to us if they need any help. So the fact that we cannot invest does not mean we can't connect them to other people who might like find them interesting or like who they might fit like that thesis, right? So because the person doesn't um, invest in you doesn't mean you should write them off completely. You can always ask for extra form of support that doesn't involve money and say, oh, it could be a bit like business advice. It could be um, a connection to other other investment firms. Like that is, but that's possible. And that's like, you train yourself to like build very strong investor founder relationship. But like a more specific case would be one that I saw in Latin America, right? Um, like one of the companies we're speaking to. And so this this guy or this like angel investor like had invested in this company and um and yeah he just kept following up on the progress of the company and as of today that investor has joined the company as a founder, right? He was like an early investor. And because of like a good relationship and progress with the team, with the team and like progress with the business itself, this investor has now become a founder and is bringing all of his wealth of experience from the finance finance space. So technically, they have a very strong CFO, and this is like a perfect example of how like building a strong relationship and having like great conversations with like your investors can yield something amazing at the end of the day. Yeah, thank you very much for that. So if there's anybody here and you don't know what to take back from after this, I think you can take the fact that apart from financial resources, money, there are a whole lot of other resources that you can get from investors. So um, Peribi, do you want to add something? Uh, sure. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. As we as we wrap up, um, let, let me just share uh, three uh, cases. And unlike others, I, I will mention names. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if if you look at um, and these are this is you know public information, it's not uh, anything that requires confidentiality or anything like that. Uh, if you look at Apple and Sequoia relationships, Steve Jobs and I think it's Don Valley or something like that. Uh, 1977, no one believed in, in 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 Steve because he was a weirdo. He didn't dress 
the way normal you know people dress he didn't go to the ivy league schools or anything like that but you know he formed you know they formed a relationship that lasted many many years uh, and now apple apple is the you know you know success success story if you come back home to nigeria if you look at uh, a friend uh, of uh, the former founder of jobberman you know the way he managed the relationship with his partners uh, with his co-founders and also all the way and again um th this communication thing investor relations thing happens from the pitch deck you know all the way to you know executing on the vision all the way to the exit okay because the investor will eventually exit and um it's not just that it's all this happening you know pre-ipo pre-acquisition stage so it's the the relationship management conflict all these things we've talked about is the full spectrum runs the full uh, spectrum and then on the other side of, of, of things, if you, and, and Elton and I were talking personally yesterday on, on Berkshire Hathaway. Now, Berkshire Hathaway is not a technology company or anything like that, but it's a massive company. They also have a very interesting um, way of, of uh, interacting with, um, with investors. Uh, Warren Buffett would only do one, he doesn't do earnings calls. He doesn't, you know, send, you only send one annual report, you read it, and then <laughs> he will do one annual general meeting in, in Nebraska, you attend, ask questions, and that's it for the year. But, you know, it, that's not that's not the same, you know, mode, you know, for, for tech startup, investor relations uh, with, 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 uh, uh, with investors and, and stakeholders. And the final thing I want to say, one key thing, one key thing, uh that you know founders tech founders uh you know uh, must be able to do is this um uh, with everything everyone has said or you're raising money you are doing your you key performance indicator you are doing all those things pitching series a all the founder uh the, every founder every techie as soon as there's bad news as soon as there is bad news, you must be able to communicate that to very difficult to do, but he must, he or she must be able to communicate that to the investors immediately. That's without even wasting time. That's one, one other key thing that, you know, we always have to uh, keep in mind. So with that, that's all I have to add. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, you guys feel free to Google and uh, I don't know what you uh, connect on LinkedIn or something like that. So thank you so much. Thanks for coming on board. Just you and every other speaker here. Um, it's, a really nice, it's a really nice session. And I really value the insights that we shared here today based on the experiences with um, startups on how to build and maintain positive relationships. And I also hope this um, session was um, informative for the audience. And yes, yeah, so um, we, we get, we always like, this session is recorded, we will always upload to our platform so that people can get to listen later on. So yes, I really appreciate every speaker for coming on. Pere, Lide, Big O, and <laughs> Peter, <laughs> and Adilaja. Thank you so much. And if any person in the audience, you can always connect with these um, speakers on LinkedIn, on Twitter. So yes, I really enjoyed this session. Thank you very much. And everybody have a nice day. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Right. Thank you, Elton. Thank you, Bigo. Thank you, everybody.
Lide, everyone for contributing. It was a very great learning session. Thank you so much. I learned a lot from you all. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.